which is harder, spreading information or changing people's mind about some information. People are biased to want to preserve their own cultures that they participate in, usually. Has there ever been a movement of, like, liberally-minded people that gets overran by conservatives? I wish more people cared about this. Oh, all of a sudden, everyone cares about this, and this is way too much to manage. Philosophers. Philosophers. So for the first time in a long time, David, what actually are we talking about today? Because it's kind of a surprise topic for me. Yes. I wanted to talk about the Eternal September, uh, which is a name that I imagine many of our listeners have never heard before. Including me. And it even is a little bit before my time. Um, but I think it's a, it's, a, it's, a, it's a story with a concept that reaches into more domains. So, okay. I will read the opening paragraph of Wikipedia for the Eternal September. And then we'll go into the the other implications. So, quoting, Eternal September, or the September that never ended, is Usenet slang for a period beginning around 1993 when internet service providers began offering Usenet access to many new users. The flood of new users overwhelmed the existing culture for online forums and the ability to enforce existing norms. AOL followed their Usenet followed with their Usenet gateway service in March 1994, leading to a constant stream of new users. Hence, from the early Usenet point of view, the influx of new users in September 1993 never ended. Interesting. Yes. You know what Usenet was? I, slash is. It still kind of exists. I, I vaguely know what it is. It's pre-internet, right? Well, or early internet. Early internet. Yeah, it is literally on the internet. But um, it is, yeah, it's a very early form of internet forum. Like pre-web forum. Okay. Um, using its own its own protocol. And you, yeah. I don't remember, I don't know exactly how it started, and I, I, this is not an episode about the history of Usenet. Um, my Im my impression is that, it, at least after this time, it was primarily provided by ISPs. So you would, you would connect to your ISP as a gateway to Usenet. Um, but I, I, there must have been ways before that. Anyway, it doesn't matter. The point is, it's a forum. Um, and it's it's a decentralized forum as well. Yeah, because I'm reading here, it was developed actually um, from the general purpose Unix to Unix copy dial-up network. Okay. So that makes sense as to why it's P2P, because that's what it's for, is copying files from Unix user to Unix, Unix box to Unix box. Yeah. So I guess it just only made sense that people were like, hey, maybe if I made a directory where someone could copy things into this, I could use this as a form of like a bulletin board. Yeah. I put in a file that's the next message. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So anyway, that's not important. The, 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 the important thing here is the, the concept of, um, and this is, this is something that I've seen in other places as well, that whenever something, when a community forms, a culture develops and, um, for better or worse, if that thing becomes popular quickly, then there will be a rush of newcomers to the community where the newcomers outnumber the veterans. Hmm. Um, and then the newcomers don't have any, have little or no interest in the history or preserving the culture of the community that they have joined. And they end up creating their own culture amongst themselves. And the veterans are kind of pushed out. 
either pushed out or they otherwise just lose control um and the culture is destroyed i could actually think of a recent event that would i think in my mind this is what it's reminding me of i remember i actually had been on wall street bets before wall street bets was one that i was thinking of yes before the gme amc thing and yes, which was a couple of years ago now it's a couple of years ago now but as soon as the gme thing took off and hit the news it that forum that subreddit by the way the gme thing refers to the gamestop short squeeze in early 2021 yes sorry <laughs> for for those listening in the future and don't know what the gme thing was yes uh and i guess if you don't know what wall street bets is it's a subreddit yeah forum uh, where people prior to and to this day still um, collectively work together to lose money, uh, essentially. Yes. Um, it, it essentially treats the stock market like a casino. And people post their losses and their wins and make fun of each other and get FOMO at each other, fear of missing out, um, of why they didn't put down $2 on penny stocks and turn it into $2,000 or whatever. And the biggest losses and the biggest wins um, are celebrated um or laughed at i.e celebrated in reverse mm-hmm. celebrated um, in reverse <laughs> um but yeah when the short squeeze on gamestop occurred that was done and led primarily by someone on wall like is a user on the wall street bet subreddit who noticed it yes and brought and it, like put out a, some documentation about his reasoning for why he thought that uh that well yeah, he, th- he thought the stock was overshorted, and so then his his plan was to buy and hold shares to squeeze those those uh, short sellers when the when the time came when when they came to maturity and they needed to quickly acquire shares. If you don't know how short selling works, I'm not going to explain it to you here. It's not that complicated, but this is not a finance show. No, and also this none of this is financial advice. Yes, and we don't offer financial advice. Yeah, long story short. Um, there's a bunch of cultural things that came out of this, but the the important thing for this discussion is that the Wall Street Bet subreddit exploded all over the course of about a week. Yeah, it was yeah, it started making mainstream headlines because oh my goodness, hedge funds are losing, they're hemorrhaging like tens of billions of dollars because some internet trolls are buying a stock. But more importantly, a bunch of normies are now also buying the stock. Yes, because the subreddit and they're doing it from the subreddit and what's interesting about that is it did change like yeah i think the population like more than doubled oh yeah way more than doubled. maybe like tripled or quadrupled it it was i think it may have been even up to a factor of 10 like it was huge yeah a Um, ton of people showed up mm -hmm. and then yeah it's this exact same scenario right and so the culture ultimately of like what wall street bets was all about fundamentally changed because before then it was wall street bets was exactly as the name implies betting gambling on the stock market gambling on the stock market we're gonna win we're gonna lose you're gonna sorry you're gonna win i'm gonna lose or i'm gonna win and you're gonna lose like it is individuals taking action there was not a whole lot of coordination as but as soon as the short squeeze happened the short squeeze we're was being benefited by everyone holding and not selling right so there was this culture of camaraderie diamond hands yeah. yes so are hodling you know hold yes. on to your stock don't sell it you know 
stay firm. This is where diamond hands come from. Have a firm hand and don't let them don't don't release your shares. Yeah, yeah. Um, and ever since now, it seems like every week there's a group trying to get everyone to hodl on something. While you know, it, it, now it's way more. How can we direct this mob of people to buy and sell shares? that um can financially benefit somebody and essentially now it's a short squeeze machine i'm sorry not a short squeeze now it's a pump and dump it's a pump and dump rug pull machine is what it is now which is not at all what it used to be before but that's because the people who came to wall street bets because of the short squeeze on gamestop they want to do it again that's what they are wanting to do yes they're no longer there to just celebrate winning and losing and being dumb on the stock market now they're there to try to do coordinated action to fundamentally change the culture of what whole Wall Street bets was about. Yep. So what about this? Good, bad, just a thing that is cultural phenomena. What, is there a life cycle kind of thing that happens? You know, what are we talking about with this? I think, well, I think there are a few places we could go go here. I'll, I'll, I'll go ahead and give, give my example of a, of a place where I saw this happen as well. Mm-hmm. Um, since we, I think we have plenty of time. Um, Bitcoin. Mm, yeah. The Bitcoin culture. Um, Crypto I, culture, maybe. Well, yes, I guess so. But I, I... Well, okay, yeah, there was that. But I am thinking specifically of Bitcoin in this case. Um, so Bitcoin, from the beginning, was always supposed to be about making decentralized digital money, right? You get, like, the benefits of credit cards that you can transact without having to have a thing in your hand, right? It's just we're, we're all doing it over the internet. Mm-hmm. Um or be able to transact without being in person, perhaps. Right. Um, but also not have a middleman like a bank that that manages the whole thing and, and, you know, either knows all of your transaction history or can otherwise control it and freeze your account if they don't like you or whatever. Um, that was that was the whole point. And uh, there's a lot of ignorance at that at that time as well about what what was private money and things like that. But regardless, that was the the, the vision. And then um, I think it was around 2017 or so when uh, the the valuation of Bitcoin skyrocketed really high for the first time, and there was this whole influx of new people, and this was and 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 people people were already kind of gambling on the crypto market before then, but it brought a lot of those in people who thought about okay what what gives any of this stuff value like the the thinkers in the space were less about like how do we become less dependent on big institutions and governments and things like that and more about what gives digital money value because they're just thinking about values of things and then this change like so obviously you have you you're 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 always going to have the gambler crowd Mm -hmm. who don't understand what's going on but know that they can make money if they're lucky um but then there's the 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 thinkers in the community they shifted to a culture of like how can bitcoin function as a store of value yeah it, it stopped being looked at as a currency and more like an asset now right like a commodity exactly um yeah it was it was less about how can we turn this into digital money and more like how can we turn this into digital gold right something that you can hold and be sure that it will hold its value against inflation and things like that yep um which is a valuable thing in some ways but also the very value the only intrinsic value in bitcoin is that you can transact with it mm-hmm. but if nobody wants to transact with it because they're using it as a store of value then it's worthless yeah. um so the whole the whole culture shifted and forgot 
that lost the plot. Right. Yeah. And, and that's unfortunate. I think um, it's fortunate and unfortunate because on the one hand, and I think most of the times where you see things like this, there's, I think there's a pattern of pros and cons that come about whenever a endless September happens. The popularity and notoriety of the thing grows, obviously. That's, a, that's actually kind of a prerequisite to an endless September. And there are benefits to that. The, the thing that you're using or the thing that you have is now shored up against being forgotten, right? It's going to continue to persist. But it changes in the process. So you're not persisting the thing that you had. It's going to change to something else, and that's going to be persisted. So for cryptocurrencies, one of the things that was good about this is now everybody knows what cryptocurrency is. Even or they, even if it's an ignorant, mostly ignorant understanding of what it is, your grandma's heard of what a Bitcoin is. Right. Public awareness is up. It's yeah, up. It's That's way a, up. That is a good thing for cryptocurrencies. As, it, yeah. As, the bad thing is that most people have a bad idea of what it is. Yeah. Right. The perception <laughs> changed and then that changed perception became widespread. And so now you have a question about which is harder, spreading information or changing people's mind about some information. I would argue that it is way harder to spread some information to get it to be a household name than it is to change people's perception of a thing. People's perceptions of things change all the time. Maybe the only... I, I was going to disagree with you, but I think I think you might be right, if only because when, when awareness is high, there will be enough people distributed around who become interested enough to learn the facts, and then they can become sources of, of correction. Um, mm -hmm. Whereas if, you, if it's just you and your gang trying to... Uh, spread some information around then it's only your social circle that's getting exposed uh, instead of there being people dotted around everywhere that can be sources of truth right a, a good example you know um people have no like people it's hard for to become president right it is hard to become a household name even, and even running for president is not enough right who was the who who lost the election three cycles ago, right? A lot of people don't remember, especially if you weren't a president before then or a VP. Mm -hmm. But once you become president, people's opinions about you are going to be very unstable for a long time. But over time, your per the perception of that person will change. And I think it's like you said, you have this distributed network of people who are going to eventually learn the facts. And that's the thing. the The facts about what happened in your presidency the facts about what cryptocurrencies can do and are useful for and if you are in in i think it's also different when if it's a specific thing or a general topic right if it's a general topic like cryptocurrencies if the bitcoin thing is enough to get it in your head you may look into what things like monero do and how they're different mm -hmm. and because monero is something that i don't think could have ever blown up the way bitcoin did i really don't think it could because it is it's just it's built better as a currency mm -hmm. than Bitcoin. It's Monero is a kind of a shoddy store of value. Um, mm. It doesn't have to be, but there are things about it that make it less useful for being a store of value than Maybe. Bitcoin. Not the point of this discussion, but you know, it, I think that's what it is. Like the fundamental facts about what cryptocurrencies are capable of doing, what their benefits are and how people can use them is only doable once everyone knows what they are. You know what I mean? It, you can't change an opinion 
on something that no one, someone knows nothing about. Mm-hmm. Um, and granted, it's unfortunate because it does take time for opinions to change, you know, about anything, especially broader public opinion, um, unless there's like a flash in the pan moment that really catalyzes people into one opinion or the other. But that's okay, I think. So if you like the thing, and even if it gets the perception of it gets changed or it's used in a way that you don't like, if you liked it for the things that were fundamental about it that cannot be changed by the people's perception of it, then give it time. People will come around. And if the things that you liked about it or the things that made it unique are unchangeable, like in the case of cryptocurrencies, just by their very nature of how they nature of how they function, it's just you can't it, you can change it into something that's not a cryptocurrency, right? Mm-hmm. But um, if it's still a cryptocurrency, then it will always be the thing that you wanted, and then people's perceptions of it will change eventually. I think. Sure. Um. So so. The. The main thing here, okay. Okay, I guess first we can talk about okay, is this is this phenomenon a good or a bad thing? I think it depends. It does depend. I think I don't know. I having been on the veteran side of the equation more than once now, <laughs> I tend to view it as a bad thing. Sure. But obviously I'm biased. Um, people are biased to want to preserve their own cultures that they participate in usually. Mm-hmm. Um, I suppose if you were, if you always hated the existing culture, then an influx of new folks to, to change it might, might be a blessing. Um, but I don't know. Okay. What's the situation in which this is a good thing? Well, I think the, uh, time like pre- perspective matters, I think. So being half normie, um, I have been on the other side of this a lot more. Um, and and here's, I think, the thing that's kind of what really makes it sting from the veteran perspective. We don't know. Well, yeah, that's why it happens, right? Yeah. We didn't know that it would have a different culture. And we were all arriving around the same time. And there just happens to be a lot of us. And we're going to... And I think this is the other thing that can be a good thing or a bad thing. What is the normal culture? Or if it's, if this is one of those moments where a two particular, like a larger subculture, but still a subculture and a smaller subculture exist. Uh, good example, alternative rock versus metal, right? Mm-hmm. Alternative rock is a much larger, or at least it was a, I would think a much larger um, subculture than metal at least it was when i was younger right because they're seen because they're viewed on a spectrum right how hardcore is the thing Mm -hmm. and by hardcore you mean and also as a function to these things being counter-cultural that being the primary axis the more counter-cultural something is the more esteemed it feels to be a part of that culture because like i'm rebelling even harder than you because i listen Mm -hmm. to music that actually doesn't sound good but i've convinced myself sounds good (laughs) because it's rebelling right um but what but some things sometimes you know it's good to bring some things to that level like you can change it in a way that's better it can make it more popular you can see art you know you can see artists that you like become more popular because now there are more people that listen to it but then you also get the same thing of like well now they're different though they sold out you know (laughs) like 
So I think it can be a good thing in the perspective of, are they bringing elements? Okay. I think it can be a good thing if it's increasing popularity makes it something. If, if, if the thing about it, right. That makes it useful or adds benefit to it is aligned to its popularity. Mm-hmm. So in the case of the music example I just gave, it doesn't, right? Especially if the whole point is to be countercultural, mm-hmm. right? That sucked if you were a veteran metalhead because now you have a bunch of, you know, less rebellious people listening to bubblegum metal. It, it drives you up a wall because it's like this used to be a symbol of the revolution and now it's just everybody does it, you know? Um, and they're changing all my favorite metal bands to be less revolutionary. So now I've got to go somewhere else even harder or something mm-hmm. like that. Right. Because the pop, the, the thing that I liked about it was inversely related to its popularity. Okay. But something like cryptocurrency benefits from being popular. Yes. And having use. Um, even if right now it's being used incorrectly, the fact that there are just more people as a part of the decentralized network, that's better. Mm-hmm. You know, um, so I think it just really depends on the intrinsic characteristics of the thing. And if them being popular is key to their value, then it can be a good thing. Um, but if it's not, then it can be a bad thing. I think where they're coming from, like, like what is the, how far off from the mainstream culture is this thing, you know? And does its delta from the mainstream culture make it what's somewhat significant which is kind of the same thing i said about the popularity you know does that is that valuable you know i i don't know i I don't think you can just blindly say black or white it's good or bad um although that being said i think your a person's opinions about culture and how culture is formed and upheld may have something to say whether it's good or bad like if you're more conservative, I was gonna say this really comes down to the the whole conservative uh, divide, right? Right. Like if you're very very conservative and you liked the way it was, or sorry, if you're very conservative, your opinions I think align with such that a veteran's opinion should weigh more than a novice's opinion. Mm-hmm. So even if we are the minority, we should still be able to direct the incomers into our culture just by our own sheer cultural influence because we should be perceived with more influence because we're veterans right um but if you aren't of that mindset it's also just a a general conservative viewpoint that outsiders coming in should assimilate into the culture yeah but it's that plus because i'm a veteran i've done this forever Mm -hmm. i i deserve more respect right and i think that's a and that's those two things are very similar, but they're I think those are both reasons why someone might get butthurt about this happening, right? Mm-hmm. So you may be upset being a veteran of a thing or of a culture and seeing the culture broadly change, right? That may just be enough to upset you. But you may be doubly upset if there are because these things don't normally happen asynchronously, right? Like um there are usually thought leader types of the new of the new way, right? And they will take things and run with a direction that you fundamentally disagree with, but you should have more say because you've been there longer. Right. Um, Weird tangent uh, about this. I see this a lot in the professional world. Um, 
imagine a team of employees doing a job. The job doesn't really matter. But this team of employees have all five been, there's five employees. They've all been working at the same company for the last 20 years. And then their manager, who had been working there for 30 years, quits or retires. Mm. And so what does the company do? Well, they're not going to promote one of these guys to the new manager because they're going to retire soon. So we're going to hire a new manager who is way younger than them. But he's mm-hmm. formally educated and he's been trained on how to do these things. People speaking of training, speaking of training, defense. Um, how many? T- how is that going to play out? Just would you think? Well, uh, new guy is going to come in. He's going to have some different ideas than yep. old guy, and the other old guys are going to be upset about that. Mm-hmm. And will actively resist the new policies. Right. Why though? Because there's a good reason to and a bad reason to. Well, the good reason to would be that the new ideas are informed by education rather than experience. Right. Um, and the, 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 the veterans are wiser in, in respects of this field. Mm-hmm. Uh, the bad reason would be inertia. Yeah. I don't want to change. Look, you've not been here that long. You don't know how this works. Like it, the fact that, yeah, you could be right about that. And yeah. it's a good, re- if you are right about that, then it's a good reason. It all comes down to whether you're right about you haven't been here that long and you don't know anything. Right. <laughs> and I think, unfortunately, in some subcultures, there isn't necessarily a rightness or wrongness, right? Like on paper, there isn't Bitcoin, cryptocurrencies are just a technology. Yes. The, all the white papers are about how they work, not how they should be used. Mm. And I'm wrong. You can use a tool that does a specific job in a wrong way and still get some result. It's inefficient. You but can use a hammer to chop down a tree. You can. and you Very, can, very slowly. <laughs> and you can use a saw to hammer a nail eventually. Yeah. I've seen many electricians do it. Um, <laughs> but... but <laughs> wow. Yeah. I love crapping on electricians. It's my favorite <laughs> thing to do. Yeah. Every time they get mad at me, though, I just put a broom between me and them, and they just can't approach me. It's like it's like garlic to a vampire. <laughs> Unless it's a Klein broom, then maybe they can, but that's not important. <laughs> um, but yeah, so when it's something more ambiguous, like a culture, whether, you know, is there a right or a wrong culture? Well, unfortunately, uh, that's an opinion. Whether you like it or not, it's an yeah. opinion. Although yes. one side definitely doesn't see it as an opinion. It's objective. Right. I'm right. And, and of course, it's the people who have been here before. Mm-hmm. Right. Now, as a thought experiment, I think it would be very funny to see this happen in reverse. You you have a bunch of... Okay. Like, can we go down that rabbit hole? Sure. Right, let's go down that rabbit hole. So imagine, is there ever been a movement of, of like liberally minded people that gets overran by conservatives? Has that ever happened? Because I understand why it wouldn't, because it's or be very unlikely, right? Because conservatives usually don't go anywhere very fast, right? They're they're high in inertia. Um, hmm. Okay, actually, I can think of a time when this has kind of happened. Okay, libertarianism. Oh yes, absolutely. Yeah, you're totally right. Yeah. So libertarians are a rowdy bunch that don't listen to a lot of things and delight especially in, not each other um. oh yeah and delight in being pescally anti-authoritarian yes. right it's kind of in the name but what happened when a lot of very just cons- normal conservative republicans 
all of a sudden viewed parts of their own party as the establishment, which normally Republicans would be all for, right? Well, you say Republicans, you mean conservatives. Conservatives, conservatives. are all for yeah, established. being the establishment. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah, the thing is that, yeah, there is a, at least in the United States, there is a perception that the establishment is now trying to move in a more progressive direction. Um, and so now conservatives are resisting the establishment in a twist of fate. Which is hilarious to it think about. It is hilarious. And so then, yeah, and so then they feel betrayed by their own Republican Party, um, which is, which is, uh, um, oh, what's the, the, the word that I want? Fracturing. Um, and, uh, and so, yes, there are lots of conservatives who fancy themselves libertarians and have invaded libertarian online spaces. Yep. Um, and, uh, yeah, they think, they think that they're libertarians just because they don't align with their, because they're conservatives that don't align with the Republicans. And it's hilarious. It is very funny. Yeah. Like, have you ever had a conservative who's claiming to be a libertarian tell you that you're wrong about things like 2A rights? Yes. And actually not that specifically. Not that, but, okay. First amendment, maybe, um, freedom of speech stuff. Well, yeah. Um, I, I don't know if it was about that either. Usually, usually it'll come down to one of the, like the bigger, like social issues of the Republican party in the past couple of decades, like abortion and drugs. Mm, yeah. I think we're going to see more of the, this is not a forecasting show. So we are also not political experts, but still, should we start doing prediction episodes, though? That is kind of fun. That would be kind of fun to do. We should do that. <laughs> we'll do that at Put, the first write, of the year. Write, write that down. Write that down. <laughs> Remind us at the first of the year. We'll do yeah. a prediction episode. Hey, hey, intern. Write that down. We don't actually have an intern. But we don't. Now I want to get a one of those stupid... All right, so what's our prediction for when we get an intern? <laughs> <laughs> that it's actually going to be like an Amazon Alexa that we tell it its name is intern. So I can go, hey, intern, write that down. Oh, man. I kind of want to get a Google Pixel phone now and change its... Instead of saying, hey, Google. Right. Say, hey, hey intern. intern. <laughs> to, to write things down. At your service. But I'll probably be looked at very jaundicely during the AI uprising, if that happens. But, yeah, you know, wrong side of history and all. But, uh, yeah, I, I, have has, I have had that um, argument, though, with someone on the First Amendment basis. Because okay. all of the sudden, can you believe they're trying to make me not say these words? Meanwhile, also let's burn some books <laughs> right. that have yeah. things oh, we don't like God. in them. And I'm like, this is hypocritical on a whole level. But what's funny is they starkly defy it though. Yeah. Well, yeah, the thing, yeah, they, they, they fancy themselves libertarians because they are, yeah, in a, in a twisted way, anti-establishment, but that, but they don't realize that they haven't changed from their original, uh, modus operandi, which is, <laughs> Uh, I should be allowed to do what I want and you shouldn't be allowed to do what you want, what I don't want you to do. But I happen to not be wearing the boot right now, so I'm upset. Right, so I'm a libertarian because I'm getting stepped on. Until I get the boot back. Until I get the boot back and then I'm going to do some stepping. Yeah. Yeah. Some goose stepping. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and so I guess it happens, but I, it was not very effective. I, I don't feel like it's been very effective, though, to be honest. If anything... It's because I think, if anything, all it's done is make the people who were not libertarians before, but also not conservatives, they still, they didn't like the libertarians in the first place. Um, 
but if anything it just makes them hate the republicans even more or the conservatives even more yeah i i think i think the main the main damage that i've seen it done is that it has it has tarnished the name libertarian not that i care that much for that label in particular but right um in in the eyes of those people um progressives in particular um who like it give it gives them ammunition to the the uh the misconception and, the, and they'll repeat it as a slogan like a libertarian is just a republican who wants to smoke weed yeah um and it's like well no but actually yes because <laughs> there are a lot of those now <laughs> right <laughs> but then again i think yeah so that, i guess that's interesting to see it but because i just think what is it a name right right and I think that's where this is heading in politics because, but if you look at like libertarian writing and doctrine, it has not changed because of it. That the core, yeah, they're not actually really a cultural influence. Right, they're just out of place. Exactly, <laughs> they're Where, away from home. Whereas I think if you see, well, there's a another thing that's happening on the opposite side of the end where there's way more socialists getting into liberal spaces mm -hmm. and they are having an actual impact where they are changing platforms and doctrines. And so I feel like forever September's only really last and work as they may be depicted when there's significant enough malleability in the underlying uh, substrate of whatever you're moving to. And the people there are actively there to make changes which again is not in a conservative's nature. So it's probably hard enough for them to even call themselves something other than conservative, you know? Right. So it's less effective. Um, so I guess your opinion about that will change your opinion about these forever Septembers. If you are inherently conservative about things, you will think of them more likely as a bad thing. Whereas if you are not, you may be less upturned in the nose about it. You know what I mean? Because, or if the thing that you're a part of happens to be less conservative anyway, it is what it is, you know. Mm -hmm. um, I I will say I think so. Moving on from that, you know, goodness or badness, I think it's usually it, it depends. Um, I will say I think one thing that it that can be said is that it is always frustrating. Yes, and um, and not just be, and this is why I think it is frustrating. If you were a Usenet member before then, and this is how it goes, I think, for most of these things, it's usually a small group, which means that all members of the group actively had to work to contribute to forming that culture in the first place. And they didn't lose that culture when the new people came in. It's not like the culture evaporated. You are still a carrier of that culture. Yes. Um, the name, though, of what it is or how the thing is being used may be changed, but there's no reason that you and the people who built that original culture cannot recombine. Mm -hmm. Although it is frustrating if you actually have to move places. So if you're like, for example, a Redditor who enjoyed Wall Street Bets and now it's no longer like that, you have to go find a new subreddit, which can be frustrating. I think some fracturing can occur when that happens because, well, if we're moving anyway, we might as well make it more like the things that me and the other particular members of the subculture liked. And so we're going to go form our new subculture that's going to particularly lean in our direction. Mm -hmm. And then this is the likewise is going to happen in other uh, subcultures. Um, but also, and I think that's where the real frustration comes in is the fracturing as well. And it's not maybe even because you're being forced to choose. It's because you're you're now weaker than you were before. You know what I mean? Uh, because if you're breaking up anyway, you might as well break in a way that like gets you everything that you want. And 
now you would have to be making sacrifices to go be a part of something else. And that's what's particularly frustrating is now the original members of the subculture are not only have you lost influence because, you know, there are now way more members and the cultures change, but you've lost even more because you can't even work with the people who existed before mm -hmm. to just move it to another place and call it a different thing. You know, um, I think this happened in crypto as well. Everybody was on board for Bitcoin. There was a couple of different crypto alternatives to Bitcoin. But really, when Bitcoin hit the big time, I think is when you see all these other things pop up. Some of them were due to like pumping up scams to try to lure the new normies in. But for those who were in veterans in the space, they kind of went their own ways. You know, some people went all in on Monero and was like, no, privacy is the main thing now. And so any cryptocurrency that doesn't have privacy built in as a constraint is trash. Other people, it's all about, no, 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 we should be using cryptocurrencies as a means of tokenization, like in Ethereum. And you can still appreciate these things. But now these people aren't in the same space. They're 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 their own distinct subspaces mm -hmm. now. But they're all safe from the normies because normies don't know what Ethereum does, and they also don't understand why Monero is different. You know what I mean? Yeah. So they're safe from the normies, but they're in their own pockets, and those pockets don't necessarily work together the way they may have before. You know? Right. And that can be extremely frustrating. You know, because now it's like losing friends over something. You know what I mean? In that way. Yeah. So that I think is almost always bad, um, as as an as a nascent effect of of this. Um, so for those who were members, it's always bad. There's always a bad aspect of it, but overall, I think it's a net positive that these happens because otherwise, you would have a stagnant monoculture, right? Um, I think it is good for the culture to flow like Maybe. a river i mean i don't think you can take it as a given that the culture will always remain the same without a massive influx of new people to disrupt it because i mean like okay even before the eternal september new people were still showing up on usenet right and they'll come in with their own ideas and stuff like that right so the cultures can change um i'm talking about the perspective of the main culture though not the subculture that got invaded mm. like the the whatever you want to call it the the primary culture the norm culture right because the, the 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 invaders right <laughs> like yes um their culture gets to change and live and if okay it, and if anything that is probably something that is what allows it to remain a dominant culture is that it's evolving by absorbing some parts of other subcultures and that is a net positive for that you see what i'm saying yeah like the like the broader culture is better i off. think it's like in a yeah it's i mean well and, and i think okay except for those subcultures whose defining characteristic is being countercultural i think most if not all other subcultures would like to be the culture right sure or, or or would like to be a part of the of the culture um you know yeah they have a particular interest but they think it's important um and they wish that more people thought it was important also um so yeah i could see that and it's just like a, an unfortunate side effect of like being getting, assimilated <laughs> getting what you wished for right yeah um i wish more people cared about this oh all of a sudden everyone cares about this and this is way too much to manage um and they all have their own ideas and don't they don't understand the history of the thing 
and our our thing that we had going for us is lost. Well, and and I guess that's that's the thing that that rubs the veterans the wrong way is is because as a member of the of the subculture, I want I want this to be the thing that that people care about. Not not okay. I'm using vague terms by by using words like this. Um, you could say my subculture or the well, thing like, okay, that my subculture yeah, is around. I want, yeah, I want the yeah the cultural aspects of this. I wish were more important to the mainstream culture rather than the like particular like the nominal thing that we're all interested in together. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, like yeah, I if we if we use the Bitcoin example, um, you know, I wish that people cared about having a decentralized money, decentralized digital money, rather than people caring about Bitcoin, the technology. Bitcoin, the now digital asset that's like internet gold. Right. Yeah. I think there's another axis of this, which we've largely avoided until now, that there's another instance in which I feel like this is a fear. Like, yes, the conservatives have a conservative people have a massive fear over this happening on a broad scale on a national level yeah, they, well yeah they have it they have the fear of this happening to the culture <laughs> right but the mainstream culture i mean i don't know cultural darwinism right i think we could loosely say that even though this is just what memes are really yes um and that's actually more accurate because it's not like one consumes the other it absorbs parts of itself it absorbs parts of it of the subculture into itself but because it is smaller it's a less percentage makeup of the main culture right um i think in particular there are a lot of conservatives in western cultures who are terrified of this happening because the numbers do matter and this is why like the uk i think is a prime example of this they are fighting for their culture is the way they see it. Mm -hmm. What is English or British culture? And the fact that that is even a question upsets them because it's not open to debate as far as they're concerned. It's them because they identify with that culture, Mm -hmm. but they are vastly outnumbered. And if you were to take cultures just by the populations of those cultures, and yes, I know that there every society is a fabric of multiple cultures. All blend- no, it's not. Like for the for it's for the, these people, there's British culture, there's Indian culture, there's Chinese culture. You know, country culture. That is, that is how it works, right? Even though we all know that's not exactly how it is, and well, and even within British culture, there are subcultures too. Yeah, right. But they don't care. The, but British culture is what's important. They're not talking about cogni culture or mm-hmm. Welsh culture or whatever. Like, forget the Welsh. We're British now. We bonded <laughs> together to be British and Ireland can shut up about it. You know, like, you know, because it's, they're trying to pump the numbers up and they're willing to make some concessions to be British, even though, like, begrudgingly for, like, the Scots and the Welsh and the North Irish, the English are happy because they can dominate the British culture. But what happens when the British culture is now going to get dominated by someone else? You know, and I think you see this come up most often in the debates around immigration. Yes. The literal physical ability for people in an area to just change the culture because democracy, you know, and that's a good question because unlike, well, I guess the analogy to this would be forums where there are mods, you know, the mods can technically do a lot to try to preserve the culture. Mm Mm-hmm. 
in, in like a forum where they can like, I've never seen it really, but I guess it, I've never seen it used this way, but I guess it technically exists. I have been in some forums that are so strictly moderated that you just acting out of the culture can kind of get you banned mm -hmm. by a heavy handed mod. And those are the few places where the culture has just fundamentally not changed or the culture is so virulent. Right, but it's just like an actively enforced echo chamber. Yeah. Right. Which or, is also not what you want. No. Or the culture is just so virulent and toxic that it just can't be overcome. 4chan. 4chan's not really changed all that much. People will say that it has, but it hasn't. And it's because normies can't even stand to breathe the air, you know? But but it's literally become... It was always this toxic place that provides its own barriers to entry. artificial, Not necessarily artificially in the way that having a bunch of mods keeping people out. But what happens when the mods of a country <laughs> want to keep people out to keep the culture from happening? Mm -hmm. And that's a good question. You know, I, I actually do not... I kind of get it, okay? I, I generally think that people should be able to go and do where they please and freedom of movement is important. But I get it, you know? Yeah. Like, let's do a thought experiment, say we have developed a nice Ancapistan of our own and anyone's welcome. Now, I don't think anarchists care about this as much because uh, we're not using democracy to determine courses of action and policy. Mm -hmm. We would like to... Well, but culture doesn't have to care about that. It doesn't. The culture it, it is doesn't, the culture. It doesn't. Anytime people are interacting, there's culture. Right. It doesn't, it doesn't. Like, culture, I think, is inherently democratic because... Yeah, if you want to call it that. I'm using democratic in the way of like the individuals matter mm. as a group. Um, fun tangent. Did you know that word democratic? You've okay. So if you, you've heard of like democratic newspapers, right? Like the such and such the the democratic, whatever, yes. or the, this and that Democrat, mm -hmm. but it has nothing to do with the political party. Right. Do you know where that comes from? No, there was a concept in, pre and mid and just a little bit post world wars America that we wanted to democratize commodities. And all it meant was that everybody should have a certain good standard of living. Mm. So the fact that like stakes were being democratized, that was actually like headlines that were ran. What it meant was that everyone in America is so well off that they can afford to eat steak. And that's a great... J.J. McCullough has a good video on it, by the way. Okay. Shout out to him. I, he went over the four foods. Have you seen that video? Okay, I did see that. Yeah, he talks about it in that video. Where, okay, I guess I just glossed over that. Yeah, so that's where that term comes from. So the, the referring to someone as a Democrat means that, oh, you are of the people. Mm -hmm. Like, well, you are one of the good, well-faring people. You know? Um, but that being said, back to... Uh, pop out of the tangent here. Culture kind of do be that way, but not exactly. It it tends to correlate with population who held particular parts of a culture important, but it is offset by influence. You know, not everyone is equally influential. And so, a, and I think Hollywood's a good example of this. A handful of people who just happen to be, have, be in the business of influence you know, or, or influencers. We have a name for them now. These are people who, oh, you can now monetize your particularly high influence to get people to do things. Um, if you can get all of them on a culture, it can change things. Mm -hmm. um, 
I think anime's acceptance in the West is a good example of that. Because it's been around a lot longer than it's been okay to talk about it. <laughs> you know, um, you can now talk about it without being stuffed into a locker, you know. Um, wrongfully so, in my opinion. Uh, you should be stuffed in that locker, but... Um, <laughs> wow. I, I'm not a big anime fan, personally. Um, cartoons are for kids. Uh, that's that's well, wow. yeah. I, I, that's that's one of the few things I'm really boomery on is anime. Just can't stand it. I don't know. I think it depends. I think I think. Okay, very short tangent. Okay, we don't need to stay here. Um, next week's episode, anime. <laughs> <laughs> next week, next week on philosophers, anime was a mistake. Um, woo woo. <laughs> Well, yeah, I think I think that's the thing. Your perception of it is a particular subculture of that culture, which is, is it? which is extremely cringe. Is it the subculture though? It's the major subculture. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> I definitely yes. I think there. I think I think the okay and the prevailing Western anime subculture is cringe. Yes. Yep. Um, but I wouldn't go so far as to say like cartoons are for kids. Like, I don't know. I think I think there yeah. there are a few gems among among the the cruft, the sludge, the sea <laughs> of uh, of what anime is available. Yeah. Anyway, yeah. So we don't have to go down on that rabbit hole no. too far. But um. I don't even know where we were before this. We went on a tangent on a tangent, I think. Immigration. Immigration, yeah. So what happens... When, <laughs> um, so, yes, here we go. The number of people holding a culture does kind of matter, and their concentration, mm-hmm. right? So a good example. There have been very, very few, up till recently, super influential Chinese people in the United States, I will say. Okay. There may have been a few, but they're not a lot. Not enough to change the main culture, but if you concentrate them enough in an area, a Chinatown will appear. Mm-hmm. For example, that's the kind of thing that gets the anti-immigration folks all like hot and bothered a little bit because they see they turn this whole neighborhood Chinese. What happens if they turn the whole country this way? You know, right? And well, I mean, yeah. And if okay, if we if we go back to I think one one place where you were going, okay, we have our little uh, anarcho-capitalist village, right? Yeah. What happens if a bunch of people move in who think that it's okay to like beat women up for not wearing bags on their head? Right. <laughs> How can you stop that? Or, or no, I almost said even worse and then gave some example that was actually not worse. <laughs> I was about to say, or even worse, someone comes in and says, I don't like that this person is selling products without labeling all of their stuff on it. We should form a bureau to regulate mm. what should be labeled, which I mean, is, that is worse. Um, but... <laughs> Sorry. Written reject the fda and embrace islam <laughs> like what <laughs> what <laughs> like even though it's kind of has its own fda built in with the whole halal haram thing but whatever yes. um the bureau of halal the bureau of... <laughs> jesus christ it was no worse. not jesus christ oh sorry they're over that yeah the prophet muhammad it was worse than i thought <laughs> it was worse than i thought. <laughs> i need to make an edit of that meme now oh my god <laughs> Yeah, so even though the prevailing culture would say, well, you know, the NAP is still a thing. If enough people come in and say it's okay to hit your wife and wives are getting hit, you know. It becomes okay. It becomes okay, even though we all know that's not what it was about. The thing that, and and I feel like that's exactly the line most conservatives will say. X country, sorry, no, I can just do it like this. This country was great. 
these, the culture, the things of my culture are the things that made this country great. Your con your culture bringing into this will turn this country into your country, which is not great because I don't live there and because it's objectively worse because you're not in the West mm -hmm. and developed. Ergot, you know, your culture is inferior and I, and, and you slippery you slide into my culture. Yeah, exactly. Or not come here. And here's the thing that I think really sucks a little bit about that. Kind of right. They're kind of right. There's, they're not always wrong. <laughs> a little bit, yeah. You know, um, so, and that's very faux pas to say these days. Yeah. All cultural. I mean, it's why I've I've always been wishy washy on the borders issue. Yeah, for for this reason that I think, I think people should be able to. Yeah, I, I think I think borders are kind of BS. Well, especially the way that they are enforced, right? Yes. I think I think that that's a problem, um, but. But also, yes, there is something to be said about controlling the movement of culture. Um, not because I'm some authoritarian who thinks that I should be able to dictate the culture of a place, but that just by sheer luck of numbers, right? Mm -hmm. um, if people want to move, if people of a certain culture want to move to a place, then they can just totally overrun it by their very presence. Right. Um, and to, to the detriment of everyone who was living there, and enjoying their lives as they were. Mm -hmm. Well, and I think there are a couple of things that can make, there are a couple of things about human psychology that make this an actual threat because it doesn't have to be, but it becomes that way. Our tendency, our, our empathy is one of the things that makes this a threat. So good example. Um, what was his name? Freed? Uh, libertarian economist, Milton Friedman. That's it. Yes. Milton Freeman had a really, I think, based point of view on immigration. And he was talking about this like 40, 50 years ago. You can have open borders or you can have no welfare. Yeah. But you cannot have both. And his point he was trying to make is that, I think, you know, if I were to distill it down, because we are welfare comes from human empathy. We mm -hmm. want others to be okay. Well, that has to be paid for by someone. And... If you're not producing, if your population does not have enough people producing enough so that the few unfortunates can have, well, what happens when you are intentionally... Right, all the resources are going to dry up and we're all going to starve. Yeah. Right. And and another thing I'll note about this, there's a reason countries that are worse off don't tend to worry as much about immigration. Nobody wants to move there. And even if they did, the folks who can and do, they're bringing things with them, mm -hmm. right? Like... Or, or they'll have selective borders. Like Mexico is a great example. If you compare Mexico's northern border presence versus their southern border presence and their coastal border presence, you kind of start seeing the picture. It's very, very different. Mm -hmm. um, countries like Romania, you know, on, on the crust of the Middle East, their attitudes about borders are very, very different. Oh, yeah. The border to people who would be coming in. And it has nothing to do with... I think people conflate this with culture a lot. But I don't think it actually has a whole lot to do with culture so much as what are you bringing into the country? Like, are you going to come in and, and because our welfare system is, are you going to enter immediately being worse off? That's a burden on the system. And I'm not saying, and, and this is why the people who I think are moderates on the issue are saying we need to turn down immigration. We can still have it. We just need to limit it because we're going to essentially, we're, we're essentially importing people who are immediately going to need our welfare. Now, the goal of the welfare system is to, A, help people when they're down and out, but B, get them back on their feet so they can produce again. 
So if your welfare system is effective enough, you can bring in people who are less fortunate, convert them into being fortunate, and then they turn around and pay back into the system, which would allow you to bring in more fortunate. Mm, and it makes everybody richer. And yeah. it makes everybody richer. In theory, that's how it works. Spoiler alert, welfare never does that. So, or it doesn't do that. Right. So that's why it's not sustainable. It actually isn't a problem of the unfortunates. It's the problem that welfare does not magically make people fortunates. Right. Or capable of being self-sustaining fortunates. Right. Not on its own. No. Not on its own. And I'm sure there are I'm sure there are a bunch of welfare lovers out there holding up their fingers of a token example they have of somebody who, you know, they were unfortunate, but because of welfare they were able to get their education. Certainly. I yeah. No no question here that yeah, people people who are down on their luck may may just need that little bit of help. If I can just get some help today, then I can I can get my uh stuff sorted tomorrow. Feed me while you teach me to build the fishing pole. And then as soon as I'm done building the fishing yeah. pole, I can feed myself. The, the thing is that you have to have, there has to be someone there to be the teacher. Right. Yeah. But welfare is not that. No. Welfare it, is a paycheck. Yes. It is a band-aid. For doing nothing. Yes. Yeah. Um. And I'm sure if we looked at the number of people who enter into welfare and then we, we match the, the what they've taken from welfare and then what they've contributed back in. And you scale that to all the people that are currently on welfare. It is a money hole, and you don't. And it's that's not debatable. It just is. Every welfare pro, every welfare program is constantly out of money and underfunded. And it has nothing to do with it wasn't given enough funding in the first place. It will always out. Its need for funding will always outpace the funding it gets until it's no longer sustainable. Right. The demand will increase to take the supply. Yeah. Yes. And so I I get that. You know, I, I understand that much of it, but I think there is the cultural element related to it as well. Whereas that, I, I say that, I think it's a little column A, a little column B, right? So good example. There was a point, or there was a point in time in which the United States did not have enough people in it to firmly uphold its own culture with how many people were being born and moving into it. We were severely, like the ratio of first and second generation Americans to third and beyond generation Americans was shockingly high. Like mm -hmm. there were way more, but, but the difference was, is that the, what it took, but there wasn't a welfare system. There was no welfare system. And also the United States kept acquiring a lot of territory at this time. And there was nobody there. Well, nobody TM. According to the U S government, according to the government, nobody who matters is there. There are no um, people there. Woof. <laughs> Look, I'm not saying it was right. I'm just saying that's how they looked that, at but it. But okay. that is how it was, though. Yeah. <laughs> um, and so, like, fine. Everyone show up. Come join the club. There's plenty of room for you. Mm -hmm. But you're going to need to take care of yourself. Yeah, yeah. But we're not going to help you. Yeah, you're going to have to figure it out. And those happen to be the things that informed the American culture in the first place. Like, right. People who were willing to pack up and go across an ocean to make a life for themselves. And then defend that's it. Who, yes, that's who built America. Yeah. Right. I mean tangent there's a reason why countries like the united states like there's a reason why america ended up different than mexico and every country in south america it had nothing to do with the abundance of natural resources there are abundance of natural resources all over the new world right it was that the cult the culture that was brought over by the british colonial system was look i'm going to yeet you out there you're british but take care of yourself, you know, and then send stuff right, The back. crown is not here to help you. The cr yeah, the crown is largely going to, it, the crown will give you a gun and send you out there on a plot of land and tell you to deal with it. Whereas the Spanish colonial system was, the government is here, we're building a fort right, here. Right, this is all Spanish territory. And yeah. It, yeah, and 
you're all now Spanish citizens under Spanish dominion directly, and we are going to handle all of this. You're going to do work to enrich the Spanish crown. Right. And you don't need a gun to do that. We'll protect right. you. We'll TM. be here with the guns to make sure that you're working and make sure that we're not taken over. Yeah. Right. Um, and that's ultimately like where, you know, the U.S. firearm culture comes from. It actually has very little to do with guns and a lot more to do with property. Right. And yeah, the, the Spanish colonials did not own the land they worked on. Nope. They were serfs. Exactly. And they didn't, it was not their job to defend it. It was the baron or whoever, you know, of that land. Right. But um, the American settlers did own the land that they worked on. And so they had an incentive to defend it. Exactly. And so as long as you're throwing people out with that kind of mentality of, yeah, you want to come to America? That's great. We'll give you the federal, like, I would totally be okay with the federal government of the United States saying, we're going to open the borders and we're going to take way too much of this federal land that we already have. And we're just going to start carving up plots and giving it to people or as a welfare system, we're going to carve up a plot of land and give it to you. You can't sell it for so many years or whatever. Cause you, the, the goal is you have to go out there and survive and it and actually do something and, on it yeah. and do something with it. And if you do that, you don't have to enforce anything culturally. The people will come into the things that are actually at the core of what American culture is just by doing that. And sure, they may have different religions. They may have different days they celebrate. Whatever. But who cares? But who cares? They're going to respect the fact that they earned that and they're keeping it themselves. And you having done that yourself, I think, is enough to make you respect the fact that others are doing that too. And so that's why I think it worked. But it didn't work the same way in other areas. Um, so yeah, it is it is a tough situation. And I guess we just need to address... And that's just an example of like how some not all cultures are equal. You know? Uh, mm -hmm. Sorry, they're just not. And maybe that's something we get into some other time. But that's going to be a spicy episode if we do. Although I do think it'd be funny to do a tier system. Like we need to make a tier video oh my about this world culture tier list. That would be funny. That would be very funny. Very cancelable. And very cancelable. Yes. Yes. Th this was the easiest hour we've done in a while. We've had some easy hours, but this was one. I just looked over and realized we're already beyond an hour. So. Yes. Hmm. I don't know that I want to go any further because any other tangent is going to be another 20 minutes at least. You're You're right. So, so until next time. Yeah, join us next week for a cultural tier list. Find out if your culture is F tier. Philosophers. <laughs> Philosophers. <laughs>